So much stuff, so little space. It's a problem many New Yorkers face. I'm George Bolarki, and this is Cityscape. Coming up on this morning's show, we'll explore ways to eliminate or at least conceal the clutter in your home. And we'll give you the best reason of them all to clean up your junk, the story of Harlem's Collier Brothers. For almost three weeks, he had been, you know, within uh, like two body lengths of his brother and nobody knew it. We're cleaning up the clutter on Cityscape from 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Cramped closets got you down? Well, there's a pretty nifty program in New York City that could help out with that. It's called Materials for the Arts. The concept is pretty simple. The group takes in donations and makes them available to teachers, artists, and students who could make use of your old stuff. I recently paid a visit to their warehouse in Long Island City. My name is Harriet Tao. I'm director of Materials for the Arts. We're in a 35,000-square-foot warehouse in Long Island City, overlooking the Sunnyside Rail Yards. We pride ourselves on um, maintaining the space as it's kind of like a home depot for the arts. You know, we try to make sure that the aisles are cleared and that everything is pretty organized. We're in the fabric area now. Fabric is one of the things that we get a lot of. We have some great donors. They run the rain, you know, the, the gamut from The Gap to Victoria's Secret to Eileen Fisher, I mean, you name it, from, you know, the largest to the smallest people who are donating fabric to us. We're going to move now into Trim and Notion over here. We have lots of people who donate on a consistent basis. The, the, um, to be a recipient member of Materials for the Arts, you have to be an arts organization, or if you're not an arts organization as your mission, you have to have an ongoing arts program. So everyone is not-for-profit. You have to be a not-for-profit because we're funded through tax levy dollars. Your programming must be in New York City, and um, you have to have an ongoing arts program. So hospitals, social service organizations that have art therapy, they're also eligible to join us um, as members through through those programs. We're also the largest provider of arts materials to the New York City Public Schools. My name is Denise Maroney and I'm a costume designer. I'm doing a show which is Victorian with a lot of weird characters in it. Um, it's supposed to look kind of like a messy attic, so of course Material for the Arts has a lot of good random junk that we could use. Um, I picked up some sculpting foam, which is usually really expensive. Um, a lot of different trimming, um, glitter threads, Lots of uh, household items, old lace, scraps of lace, scraps of leather. We currently have uh, a fleet of a number of trucks. We have two drivers that go out on a daily basis, so people call us and make appointments with our warehouse manager who reviews the uh, kinds of items that they want to donate, making sure that it falls into the categories that we do take items. We take mostly everything except dangerous chemicals and beds and bedding and food and, and clothing items we don't really take. We sort of refer those to other sources who will take those. Clearly, lots of people are getting rid of their vinyl, so we do take in vinyl. Um, lots of arts organizations, music, you know, we deal with music, or, music, music education organizations, so yeah, the vinyl is, is terrific, and even if it's just for the album covers. Here's an example, Standing Ovation by Jerry Vale at Carnegie Hall. I mean, when was the last time you saw that, right? That's pretty cool. Here's one by Tony Matola, a favorite of mine. 
We clearly have the recipients. These are the people in need. But without the donors, I mean, we wouldn't have a program without people who are giving us items. We feel um, that in New York City where space is so valuable and, you know, that extra few bags in your closet means that you can't bring your winter clothes in, that we provide a service to our donors as well. And also remember that our trucking service we pick up. So for a lot of people, they'd have to hire someone to take it out. And the most important thing is that we don't want it to go into the landfill. I mean, reusable items should be going to other people who have needs and not be filling up the landfills. Items that you'd use really in your kitchen when you replace it. You know, you've had that spatula and it's still really good, but you went to shopping at uh, Cook's Corner or you went to the Chelsea Market and, you know, you found something that's even better. It's so, you know, those are items that, you know, I, I guess you could toss it, but look, right here there's a number of um, household items, cutlery items, you know, cups, everybody can use mugs. And again, people in teacher's lounge, if you're buying coffee, and you're waste every day you're buying coffee and you're throwing that out instead of having mugs in the in the teachers lounge or any of your other you know Harriet Taub is the executive director of Materials for the Arts. The facility is in Long Island City. For more information you can check out mfta.org. Materials for the Arts is one way to get rid of your old stuff, but another way here in New York City is simply picking up the phone. There's an actual number. It's 1-877-NYC-STUFF. We thought, why not give it a try? We'll call it up. We'll see how we can get rid of, say, a treadmill. Actually, Kathleen Biggins, the host of A Thousand Welcomes here on WFUV, is looking to unload a treadmill. Why not help her out? Let's give uh, this number a call. Welcome to the New York City Stuff Exchange, an information service provided by the City of New York in cooperation with... Okay, so we made contact. Let's listen to what this guy has to say. This service helps you locate businesses and organizations in your area where you can donate, buy, or sell quality secondhand goods and repair and rent goods instead of spending money on new items. If you are calling from a touchtone phone, press 1 now. That'd be us. To hear about where to make donations in your community, press 1. That's us, to too. To find out where you can select the category that best describes what you would like to donate. Treadmill. For clothing, press 1. Not that. Furniture, press 2. Mm -mm. Books, press 3. Nope. Computers, press 4. Mm -mm. Electronics, press 5. Appliances, press 6. Nope. Kitchen items, press 7. Mm -mm. For additional choices, press 9. All right. Collectibles, including sports cards, antiques, and jewelry, press 1. Mm -mm. Sporting goods, recreational equipment, and toys, press 2. There we go. Sporting rugs, goods could be it. Using the keys of your touch-tone phone, enter the five-digit zip code of the area you are interested in. All right. We're in the Bronx here, so 10458. Please hold while we search that zip code. There were no listings found in the zip code entered. Hmm. Please hold while we search neighboring zip codes. Okay. Five. Listings were found in the zip codes neighboring the zip code entered. All right. To hear the listings, press 1. The following is the first listing. Salvation Army, 4133 Park Avenue, Bronx. To hear the next listing, press 3. To Salvation Army, 2121 Washington Avenue, Bronx. Well, it definitely seems like the Salvation Army has some room for treadmills. I wonder if there's another place in our area, so let's just give this one more whirl here on the third choice. Goodwill Industries, 3117 Webster Avenue, Bronx. Phone 
1-800-799-9699. All right, so it looks like we have some options to help out Kathleen Biggins of 1,000 Welcomes get rid of her treadmill. We're going to try again in a little while. We're going to try to unload some books for our assistant program director, Tara Anderson. We are interested in receiving feedback on your experience in using the Stuff Exchange. To leave a message with your comments on the New York City Stuff Exchange, or if you would like to take a few moments... When it comes to stuff, it seems as if there are two basic approaches. Have less of it, or store it in the most efficient way possible. Ariane Cohen is a great example of someone who has decided to make the most of the limited space in her Manhattan apartment. Ariane has adopted a Murphy-everything approach, finding ways to hide furniture and use space in very clever ways. My name is Ariane Cohen. I am a writer. We are standing on East 65th Street in New York City, and this is my apartment. This apartment, I absolutely lucked out. Um, It is a brownstone apartment. It's 480 square feet. And the beauty of it is that it was previously owned by an architect named Richard Fleischman. And he had gutted it and really designed it in a kind of brilliant space-saving way that has a lot of kind of Murphy everything and a lot of high shelving. So it's really a kind of multi-use space. We are standing in front of my Murphy bed unit, which is eight feet wide. It has both a Murphy bed and then it's full storage space. It's uh, seven feet tall and it's cabinetry. And actually, it's mirrored on the front. It's up parallel to the wall. And then you pull it down. The hazard of Murphy beds is my Murphy bed actually fell apart. It collapsed with me in it when I'd been living here for four days. And it uh, scared the crap out of me. Uh, So now whenever it kind of creaks weird during the night, I kind of hold on because I think it's going to topple. But I got it fixed and now it's okay. You know, a bed takes up, I think it's roughly 30 square feet. And if you only have 400 square feet, that's a significant amount of your space. And it's also a really classy Murphy bed that needs to be said. I think when people think Murphy bed, they think kind of ugly, wooden, creaky thing. And this is, it's actually really nice, I think. Now over here we have the half moon table, which is really important for space saving. And I didn't know about these until I moved in here. It's a circular table, but the end 25% of it is cut off. So it's flat, so it goes right against the wall. So you actually save three feet of space. It's brilliant. Uh, My bathroom has a sliding door, which is really space saving because you don't realize that every time a door opens, it takes up, I want to say four square feet of space that's wasted. And frankly, my bathroom doesn't have enough space that four square feet could be wasted. I proselytize to everybody uh, about how they should make their apartment more like mine. But I know a lot of people who live in, you know, railroad apartments or they have, you know, a 300 square foot studio and their bed is taking up a third of it. Their bathroom door is taking up 10% of it. And they certainly don't have space for a washer dryer. I am a huge, huge fan of Murphy anything. Anything that folds up and goes away that you can pull out as you need it should definitely, definitely be purchased. Next, we're at the Murphy desk. The Murphy desk is wonderful. I have a normal desk against the wall, and then I built in this Murphy desk, which pulls out into an L. And what makes it different than the desks that you've seen at other places is that the drawers, you can keep them full on the L part of the desk. So the drawers are completely filled up with stuff, and then I can just roll it right in and it disappears. And this is really important because I work from home, and otherwise my office would kind of take up the whole space. 
shoes are a big issue in small apartments because you walk in and there's just piles of shoes everywhere and I'm tall I have size 12 feet so my shoes take up a lot of space so I bought this nifty front entrance piece of furniture and it has a shoe drawer and shoe drawers are incredibly space effective because you can literally just toss all your shoes in there if I didn't live in this apartment, I think I would definitely have to put stuff in storage or more likely I would have to get office space elsewhere because where I tend to run into trouble is the books. I have tons of books. I use them for my job and they often don't fit. Uh, the other really important thing is to get narrow shelves because a lot of bookcases take up too much space. So all of my shelves are maybe only 11 inches deep. And so they're kind of right along the wall and they disappear. I also think that really your shelving should essentially go up to the height of your ceiling. And I have open shelving so the light goes right through and it doesn't kind of block things out. Um, mirrors are another big tip. My apartment is on the first floor and I don't get that that much sun and the mirrors kind of reflect the light and makes everything brighter. When you live in a small apartment, you don't collect stuff as much, which is nice. But what I've been able to do with this apartment is just because there's so many high surfaces, I can actually store a lot of really bulky stuff. On the top of my Murphy bed unit, I've got a suitcase, a bunch of bedding. I have storage bins everywhere, and storage bins are precisely what usually doesn't fit in small apartments. But because I have, I, I'm, I'm using all the space all the way up the wall, and I think that that's the big problem. That's what my friends do wrong. They don't use high space. They may have some shelves that you know go to four feet, but hey, the the, the wall goes up to ten feet. So why are they not using that space? Arianne Cohen is a Manhattan-based freelance writer. Her latest book is Help, It's Broken, a fix-it Bible for the Repair Impaired. Okay, so earlier in the show, we helped Kathleen Biggins, host of A Thousand Welcomes here at WFUV, find a place to unload her treadmill. Well, our assistant program director, Tara Anderson, has a whole bunch of books in her apartment that she's trying to get rid of. So let's call that number again that we called earlier in the show. This is the New York City Stuff Exchange. It's one eight seven seven nyc stuff So let's dial that up. Welcome. We already know how to do this, so we can bypass this and go right to one here. And, yes, we want to hear about where, so we're going to hit one again. And I believe three was to get rid of books, so let's just bypass all this and go right to three to get rid of books. Furniture. Using the keys of your touch-tone phone, enter the five-digit zip code of the area you are interested in. Okay, so we're in the Bronx here at Fordham, so 10458. Let's see what we get. Four. Four. Good. Four places to get rid of books. Bingo. hear the listings, press one. Bronx Borough Public Library, 2556 Bainbridge Avenue, Bronx. All right, not too far from us, so that's good. The public library obviously needs books. Fordham Public Library. Fordham's library. Okay, so it seems like the libraries need books. New York Public Library, 2556 Bainbridge Avenue, All right, another library. New York City Library. And the New York City Library. Okay, well, I think obvious choices here with the library, but, you know, helpful. Helpful nonetheless. 
To repeat the current listing, press so we had some success finding a place, actually places, to get rid of some two. old books on the, the New York City Stuff Exchange, 1877-NYC-STUFF. And coming up, we're going to try to unload a humidifier that our producer, Jody Avergan, has lying around his apartment. But if you're unwilling to part with your belongings and you have little space, what do you do? Well, some Manhattan residents are plunking down some dough to buy storage space. We recently hung out outside a Manhattan storage facility on the Upper East Side to talk to folks about why they decided to go the storage route, and we got a wide range of answers. Peter Nemi, and I'm from Manhattan. Grew up in New York. I'm dropping off uh, equipment from one sport and bringing equipment out from another sport. It's mainly for seasonal stuff, like I play hockey, for example, which is a lot of big smelly gear, so in the off-season I leave it here rather than cluttering up my apartment. Same with skiing equipment and that kind of stuff. They could, they could take up the majority of my apartment, and having this place here is, is great. I expect I'll probably always use it. I mean, it's, they're, they're stuff that I'll use three or four months out of the year, and it's just nice to get it out of the way and just not have to deal with it, especially living in Manhattan, or it's just, who's ever going to have too much space in Manhattan? Marie Fusey, um, I grew up in Long Island, New York, and now I live in Gramercy Park. I actually am a pharmaceutical sales rep, um, so we use this to store our samples as well as other things because our apartments aren't large enough to store that, and it's actually the right temperature and all that for our samples. I come in usually every morning or finish the day here, and you see probably 10 to 15 reps within that time period, always in and out, taking their storage from their car. We don't have offices, so this is pretty much our office, that as well as our car. I'm Robert Stam. I live right here in the area. Well, I live in a co-op, and the board decided that there were too many items stored in the storage room, and since I'm the president of the co-op, I have to set an example. <laughs> so I came over here to run space to get my stuff out of the basement storage. Well, many people in the building just had too much stuff, and it got so cluttered that uh, something had to be done. I'm Linda from Italy, but, you know, I've been here a few years, but I need a storage space because it's not space in New York City. <laughs> I got two in Manhattan, and this is going to be my third. I don't, I don't like to throw things out. I got things from Italy. I was traveling so much. I don't like to throw things out. And I, I got a one-bedroom apartment, single, but I don't like to... <laughs> I don't like to throw things out and, uh, you know, what can I say? I don't have enough space. In my desire to have a nice house, like I had it before, a nice house with, uh, you know, one floor just for my things. I have a storage in Lando that I paid. I was thinking, you know, maybe after a few months I come back and take my things. I can't believe it because it's not really worth it. But I don't know what to do. I, what can I say? I'm not... <laughs> I don't like to throw things out, and you know, I got memory. That is my memory. This is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. I'm George Boldarki. Now we're going to help our producer, Jody Avergan, unload his humidifier. So we're going to go back to the NYC Stuff Exchange, 1877 NYC Stuff. We actually had a bit of a debate. Is it an appliance? Is it medical equipment? There are all these different categories, but we decided to go with appliance. Using the keys of your touchtone phone, enter the five-digit zip code of the area you are interested in. Please hold while we search that zip code. 
There were no listings found in the zip code entered. Please hold while we search neighboring zip codes. Two. Listings were found in the zip code. I like that feature, actually, the fact that it searches neighboring zip codes. That's definitely helpful. Salvation Army, 4133 Park Avenue, Bronx. Hey, Jody, we got one hit. To repeat the current listing, press 1. No, let's help Jody out. We'll get a second listing here. In this search area. Salvation Army, 2359 Jerome Avenue, Bronx. Another Salvation Army, but Jody... We can get rid of your humidifier at a couple of places in the area, so clear some room on your shelf for something else. I don't know, a vase. Select the category that best describes what you would like to donate. I found out about the New York City Stuff Exchange through the Internet. I actually Googled getting rid of stuff or something like that in New York City, and I stumbled upon a website that listed 1877NYC-STUFF, and it said that it was run by the New York City Sanitation Department. So I called over there to ask some questions about it, and no one knew what I was talking about. So perhaps we here at Cityscape tapped into a little-known resource here in New York City. Hey, your taxpayer money is paying for it, so you might as well make use of it by exchanging your stuff. 1-877-NYC-STUFF. This is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Good morning once again. I'm George Boldarki. If you can't seem to bring yourself to eliminate the clutter in your home, perhaps the story of the Collier brothers will light a fire under you. Homer and Langley Collier were found dead in their Harlem brownstone back in 1947. Langley was literally buried alive under a pile of garbage. Franz Lids wrote a book about the Collier brothers. It's called Ghosty Men, the strange but true story of the Collier brothers, New York's greatest hoarders. Franz joins us by phone this morning from Pennsylvania. Good morning, Franz. Good morning. How did you first hear of the Collier brothers? My father, who grew up on the Lower East Side, used to tell me about them as sort of a cautionary tale when I was a kid. And and uh, the story is so grotesque, as sort of as grotesque as any Edgar Allan Poe story, that it uh, always stuck in my mind. You said your father told you this tale as a cautionary tale. What was he trying to get you to do? Clean up my room, basically. <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. You know, this is what happens if you just uh, you keep things in piles or tidy or untidy, and don't uh, sort of watch where they're um, growing. When police found the Collier brothers in their home, they removed more than 100 tons of garbage. Is that right? Yeah, 180 tons. Unbelievable. I mean, actually, the accounts vary, but, but the New York Times at one point had 180 tons, so I went with that. And they had actually two auctions. One was the, the biggest yard sale in the history of New York City, up at uh, you know, 128th Street and 5th Avenue, where the Collier's Mansion was, and uh, they just sold stuff on the lawn there. What kinds of things did they have in their home? Just about anything uh, associated with uh, the late 18th century and early 19th century. You know, they they were trash pickers, so they they had tons and tons of newspapers uh, and these in drifts around their apartment that uh, they made tunnels through and their old uh, broken baby carriages and painting silverware. Uh, There was a Model T Ford that had been disassembled in the basement by their father, who is an eccentric um, gynecologist, you know, music books. um, So there's just just, uh, an array of um, 
curiosities. Didn't Langley have an excuse for all of the newspapers? Yeah, you know, his brother Homer, who's his older brother, was an admiralty lawyer. He was actually um, a magna cum laude out of Columbia, and he used to walk from Harlem every day to his job on Wall Street back and forth, which was more than 10 miles. Homer actually went blind in the mid-1930s, and then I think about 1940, he was crippled by rheumatism, so he spent uh, basically the last seven years on his back while he was tended to by his younger brother Langley, who was his brother's keeper. With uh, Homer blind, uh, he tried to cure him by feeding him 100 oranges a week. Uh, it's an idea he got from his father, who's, of course, a, a doctor, a gynecologist. The thought was when Homer regained his sight, he'd have all these newspapers to catch up on. I've heard the term disposophobia, a fear of throwing anything away, also referred to as Collier Brothers Syndrome. Did the story of the Collier Brothers spark research into hoarding? Well, you know, they're the most famous case of, of hoarding because they were sort of modestly famous in the 1930s because... Uh, People were trying to break into their place and couldn't get in because you know, it was a fortress, basically. And then in the 40s, they became these mysterious figures, legendary, and and the little uh, kids who lived around there used to call them the ghosty men because uh, they would, you know, Langley would only come out at night to get his street pickings and uh, you know go through the garbage cans of butchers and and bakers for food. You know, they, they had this certain uh, notoriety that was attached to them. We should say that the Collier brothers booby-trapped their home, and that's essentially what killed Langley, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they had, they had all kinds of things, like um, they, were, they were very afraid that burglars would come in, or actually anybody would come in and look at their stuff, possibly part of embarrassment, but also because they, they didn't want anybody looking through their stuff or taking it. So... Langley had booby-trapped the whole place with, uh, you know, you could go through these tunnels and they could collapse on you or there'd be uh, giant uh, cinder blocks that would fall on your head or bricks. But anyway, he, um, Langley was bringing his brother food, or, you know, he on a tray and uh, one morning, and he triggered one of his own booby-traps and was buried between beneath the uh, the newspapers couldn't get out and word spread throughout Harlem because they hadn't shown up it's basically because Langley used to feed cats on his porch and for uh, several nights the cats would come and mew and they wouldn't get any milk so somebody got the idea that that they disappeared and the police broke in it took hours just to get through uh, the walls of newspapers and on the second floor found uh, Homer in his uh, position. He was paralyzed, of course, uh, next to a shriveled apple. He had been dead for days. Well, they couldn't find Langley, and nobody knew where he was, but there were rumors that he was uh, you know, somewhere at large. So there was a manhunt for him. For, it lasted almost three weeks. And he was sighted as far away as Europe and on subway trains. And Joe Gould, who was uh, immortalized in the Joseph Mitchell book, 
was once mistaken for Langley by two Daily News uh, reporters, and he, he pretended he was Langley just to get a free lunch out of them. For weeks, the, uh, the police and the fire department were cleaning out the mansion, and uh, eventually, 10 feet away from where Homer was found, Langley's body was um, pulled out. It was uh, largely gnawed at by rats and uh, decomposing. But uh, for almost three weeks, he had been, you know, within uh, like two body lengths of his brother, and nobody knew it. Is it true that New York City firefighters today even refer to emergency calls to junk-filled apartments as a collier? Yes, yes, that is true. Uh, and in fact, I have a friend who's a fire chief who didn't know what a collier meant until I explained the whole story to him. He just thought there was some kind of uh, obscure fire term. But, uh, you know, a collier refers to the collier brothers. How about you? Did it get you to clean up your room as a kid, and do you keep your home clutter-free today? Uh, actually, in writing the book, uh, that was therapy enough. And yes, I'm, I've become uh, not exactly fastidious, but um, I do sort of clean up after myself. One of the reasons the Collier Brothers story resonates so so much in sort of the quintessential New York story is that people have very limited space, and and uh, you know if you collect, it it quickly becomes like a hoard or a pile or something. And uh, if you collect too much stuff, you don't watch it, uh, you become a hoarder, and much like a Collier brother. And just to point out to those of you listening, if you're hearing roosters crowing in the background, Franz, that's because you live on a farm, right? Yes, it is. It's, uh, I've got all... Actually, you know, if I collect anything, it's uh, animals. Um, I've got llamas and chickens and dogs and cats. LaFrance well, Lids, your book is Ghosty Men, the strange but true story of the Collier Brothers, New York's greatest hoarders. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. Are you a Collier? If so, we hope we've given you some ideas to get out from underneath all of that clutter. That's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Jody Avergan. Before we go, I want to invite you to a free concert on Fordham University's campus. Singer-songwriter Vic Chestnut is performing for WFUV on May 9th at 8 p.m. He's featured in a documentary I recently completed on disabled musicians called Musical Abilities. You can RSVP to the Vic Chestnut Show at WFUV.org. Just look for the link on the front page. First come, first served. Seating is limited. Hope to see you there. I'm George Boldarki. Have a great weekend.